and who to trust and who not to trust figures in our study today. Uh, you know, I've been doing uh, talking about how I've lost all trust in all of our national institutions lately. Um, now, if you previously had faith in the U.S. Congress in the past, then you never read Mark Twain or Will Rogers, okay? Because they both had a little bit to say about our Congress. Mark Twain, and this is a hundred. Uh, Mark Twain died in 1912. So this is at least 109 years old, and let's just figure it's 125, because in the last few years, Mark wasn't doing all that well. But Mark Twain said, Politicians and diapers must be changed often, and for the same reason. Okay, that's a good one. Um, Suppose you were an idiot, and suppose you were a member of Congress, but I repeat myself. And then, then I say the third one for last. I mean, these go on and on. I mean, they made they made their life's work out of these kind of things. Both Mark Twain and Will Rogers. If voting made any difference, and this is especially poignant for today, if voting made any difference, they wouldn't let us do it. Okay, I I, I resemble that remark. Will Rogers said, "A fool and his money are soon elected." And uh, everything is changing. People are taking their comedians seriously and their politicians as a joke. And one last one from him also. America has the best politicians money can buy. The trouble is these days it's not just politicians. I read the news about Russia and Ukraine to see what the national press thinks and, and then believe the opposite. I really do. The World Health Organization, the National Institute of Health, are so disgraced that now I read their recommendations as what not to do. My beloved military, my son serves, as you all know, is now more concerned with equity than winning wars. Every officer above lieutenant colonel should be fired. And that is what I believe. And so goes the list, FBI, CIA, NSA, do you trust any of them? Do you trust the Treasury that it's doing what needs to be done for our country? The stock market, banks, I gave up with banks back in the housing bubble, back in, the, in 2004. How do people, if, if I ran my construction company the way they run their banks, I'd be out of business. Oh wait, no, never mind. I, that, that didn't drive me out of business. Ah. Our currency says in God we trust, and frankly, that's the one we should trust. Which brings us basically to the first eight words in our passage today. And I was afraid that we were only going to get eight words into it when I started doing my study. So, we're going to cover four verses. But I was really worried. There was so much in the first eight verses of Acts 5.34. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel. Now, last week, to recap, we saw that after the angel of the Lord let the apostles out of jail, they were found teaching in the temple where they had been since daybreak. And then they were brought back to the council by the 
temple guard to appear before the Sanhedrin and the council of the Jews. Charges were brought. Peter gave a defense of their actions. The last thing we saw last week was the Jewish leader's response to the words of Peter. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. The Sanhedrin and Council of Israel reacted with rage until this Gamaliel spoke up. So, who was Gamaliel? Well, Gamaliel was a well-known expert of the law. In fact, he's probably considered the second greatest teacher of the Torah that Israel has ever had. In Acts 22, when Paul had himself been arrested for teaching about Jesus in the temple, he pointed out that he had been educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Everybody knew who Gamaliel was. Continuing on in verse 34b, and I'll read the first, but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people. And I, I made an emphasis on that because if the Bible says that somebody was held in honor, I think we can trust that Gamaliel was an honorable man. Which brings up a question. Gamaliel wasn't just some Israel nobody. He was the Nisa, uh, spelled N-I-S-A. I looked up the pronunciation. That's as close as I can get. He was the Nisa of the Sanhedrin. We find the title Nisa in Numbers 7. The Nisa in Hebrew translates to literally to prince. And it's used in number 7 of the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. They're to bring a tribute to the tabernacle and it says the Nisa in the Hebrew it says the Nisa of each tribe which meant the chief, it says in the ESV, it says chief. It can say prince. In Gamaliel's day, it had more the meaning of he was the president of the Sanhedrin. Okay? Now, as such, as president of the Sanhedrin, and, and I, I want to pick your brains, don't speak up, about this, I just... Four or five weeks previously, the Sanhedrin, along with the high priests, had con- condemned Jesus to death. Okay? And yet the Bible says everyone, all the people, and that meant the uh, apostles also, considered Gamaliel an honorable man. Now, the trial and execution of Jesus was a high priest thing that you would think, I would think, and I found nothing to dissuade me of this, that the Sanhedrin was in on it also. So, the question is, to still be an honorable man, did Gamaliel dissent, or did he repent? Okay, and I do not have the answer to that. I could not find it. Nobody dealt with that. Now, it says, as I said, Gamaliel was held in honor by all the people. Now, part of that esteem was due to his family line. His grandfather was Hillel. Many, many Jewish organizations today are still called the Hillel Society or the 
Acts of Hillel. Hillel was the most famous preacher, teacher, that has ever existed in Judaism. He is still revered today. Hillel was Gamaliel's grandfather. He was the Nysa of the Sanhedrin also. Gamaliel's father, Simeon, Simon, Shimon, however you want to pronounce it, was also the Nysa of the uh, Sanhedrin. This is three generations that were now down to Gamaliel. This is a famous family. Now, many people say that Hillel was the greatest rabbi of his time. And something I have never heard, but attested to everywhere I went in my study today, is although I've always been told that rabbi meant teacher, and when people addressed Jesus as rabbi, they were saying teacher. But they weren't. Rabbi did not mean teacher at the time of Jesus. After the destruction of the temple and the dispersion of the Jews, the head teachers took the title rabbi. Rabbi actually meant master. Remember that uh, that Jesus was called master often by his disciples. They may have been calling him rabbi in there and it's not translated that way. Sometimes he's called Rabboni. Rabboni was greater than greater than master. It means great master is when you call them Rabboni. Well, Gamaliel was named because, remember, there were no rabbis. There were no titles attached to anybody's name back then until Gamaliel. His grandfather, Hillel, said, a name is better than a title. Okay? Hillel was a very... He had a lot of aphorisms. He was a very wise, clever man. Anyway, he said, a name is better than a title. The name Hillel still is a better name than Rabbi. But Gamaliel, when he became the Nysa of the Sanhedrin, the president of the Sanhedrin, was given the title, and so he would be called Rabban, which is the same as Rabboni, just different language, different translation. Rabban Gamaliel, great master Gamaliel, that was his title. His son after him, who was Simon. So, an aside, you did not name somebody after anybody living. Okay? So, Simon, Hillel's son was Simon. He was not named Hillel because Hillel was still living. When he had a son, he named him Gamaliel because Hillel was still living. Okay? So, going down, we will see that it was Gamaliel's grandson who was the next one named Gamaliel. But there are Simons and Gamaliels for the next 500 years. This family were the great master teachers of Israel from and for 500 years.
till the 5th century AD, and it was even longer than that, and you'll see why. So, Gamaliel was the president of the Sanhedrin. We'll see that in these five verses that Gamaliel was respected for, and I'm not going to go point by point as we get there, but he was respected for a number of things, for his knowledge of the law, which was at that time religion and law combined, because it was a theocracy in Israel. For his good reputation, he carried a good reputation, he carried the reputation of his grandfather, for as a man of authority, for being both discreet and wise. And in addition to this, he was tactful. Indeed, this man was so revered that he's mentioned in the Mishnah, the commentary on the Talmud. And it says, since Rabban Gamaliel the Elder died, there has been no more reverence for the law and purity and piety died out. And I found that in every source and every commentary that mentioned Gamaliel. So it's not just a one-off here. This is what the Mishnah says about him, and this is what was thought about him, that basically the law died with him, and purity and piety also died when he died. This, then, is the man who speaks up and offers this advice to those gathered. Verse 34. So, we're going on. But a Pharisee in the council, named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders uh, to put the men outside for a little while. For the words he is about to speak, Gamaliel seeks to be discreet and has the apostles put outside for the deliberations of the council. Verse 35, And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. You know, we're influenced, and rightly so, by the condemnation of the Pharisees by Jesus. You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? He had words about the Pharisees, and then we unfavorably compare them to the Sadducees when it's the wrong way around. The Hillel was revered for being liberal in his religion and towards Gentiles. Gentiles were seen basically as dogs to the Jews, but not to Hillel. Hillel was revered more He was the greatest teacher of law in Israeli history, but he was revered more for his gentleness, his compassion, and his ethics than he was for his teaching. Uh, Not Gamel, I'm sorry, Hillel, instead of Gamaliel. Hillel was known for his gentleness and his ethics. He was more liberal than the Sadducees, in his dealings with those who disagreed with him. There was a At the same time as Hillel, there was a man named Shammai, also a teacher, but more severe and strict. A Gentile came to him and said, I will convert now. This is to Shammai. He said, I will convert now if you can convey to me 
the entire teaching of the Torah will all stand on one leg. Okay? And Shammai said, you know, out with you, you dog. And so he goes to Hillel and says, same thing. And Hillel says, stand on your leg. And he says, don't do what is abhorrent to you to anyone else. This is the entirety of the Torah. Go and learn. Now, does that remind you of something that maybe Jesus said? You know, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, this is the law and the prophets. Echoing Gamaliel. He probably heard it, and more on that later. Not that God had to hear anything from, uh, I mean, from Hillel to internalize something. Anyway, Gamaliel is from the same liberal mold as his grandfather Hillel. Don't be hasty, he says. Take care with what you are about to do. Gamaliel now argues from a history they all would know. Verse 36. For before these days, days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. Thutis was a very popular name, and there's a debate on the timeline on this. They, people have finally decided there was probably more than a one Thutis who raised up. Thutis means thanksgiving. I don't think this Thutis was giving much thanksgiving. But Thutis was like a lot of revolutionaries back in the time of Jesus. They were trying to throw off the Romans. People rose up. Thutis is one of those. He told these 400 to bring their possessions with him, and he would part the Jordan River, and they would cross on dry land and leave the Romans behind. Well, the Romans sent um, cavalry after them. The Jordan did not part, much to the consternation of the 400 with Thutis joined on the side, and they were slaughtered and taken prisoner, and, and Thutis joined the long line of false messiahs and had it happen to him what happened to all false prophets. He um, died there on the banks of the river. Verse 37, Gamaliel continues, After him Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. This Judas mentioned here was the man who started the Jewish sect called the Zealots. And uh, we have Zealots among Jesus' disciples. But this fellow started the Zealots and it was his son who started the rebellion in 66 AD that ended with the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Gamaliel follows this short history with some wise advice, verse 38 through 39a. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. Now this is the story of the New Testament. There is no way that this nonviolent movement... Christianity that believes in loving your neighbor as yourself, loving the world, 
had any chance of changing the Roman Empire, let alone the world. There is no way that these 12 men, who all died within 20 years of their ministry starting, okay, they go off into the world, and they're all crucified except for John, the apostle, who dies of old age. All the rest die within 20 years. Horrifically. One worse than the next. There's no way they could have impact on anything, and yet, and yet they did. Gamaliel was right. If the undertaking was of man, it would fail, but if it was God, as it says elsewhere, the gates of hell could not prevail. And verse 39 concludes our passage for the day. Gamaliel gives one last piece of advice. He says, you might even be found opposing God. And the final line says, so they took his advice. A question, and this is a question, and I'm not going to answer it because I haven't found the answer. Did Gamaliel already know the Jewish leaders were guilty of opposing God? Had he come to that conclusion about Jesus? Was he opposed to the trial and killing of Jesus? And like I said earlier, or did he repent of it? Scripture doesn't say. But Scripture does say that he warned the council that if they killed the apostles, they might be found to be opposing God. Now, Scripture only mentions Gamaliel in the two places I've already mentioned. Okay, It does not mention Hillel at all. What I've given you from Hillel is from Jewish history, also from secular sources, because Josephus and everybody knew who Hillel was. He gets a lot of mention in the ancient press. Okay, But the Bible doesn't mention Hillel. It does not mention anything about his son. And only in two places does it talk about Gamaliel. I've already mentioned about how famous Gamaliel's uh, grandfather Hillel was. Hillel lived to be a very old man. Now, this is just some of the conjecture I'm, I'm throwing out here. I want you to know that we have ended the teaching of Scripture. But there's some other things. Hillel was born in 110 B.C. Okay? Now, think about that. The second century before Christ was born is when Hillel was born. And it's very well documented. He was born in Babylonia. He knew the Babylonian Talmud really well because he was Babylonian. Came to Jerusalem to study the law. Lived until 10 A.D. He was... 120 years old, he was Moses' exact age when he died. And part of my conjecture is, was that God letting you know the quality of Hillel? Because people weren't living that long anymore. You know, Moses was an old man when he died. It was after the days of Methuselah and the patriarchs. Hillel lived until 10 A.D. I want you to keep that in mind. All the while, since he came to Jerusalem, 
He was teaching in the temple. Okay, that was his job. He was the great master, teacher of the Jews. His life was spent every day in the temple teaching. His son, who would take over as Nisa after Hillel died in 10 AD, did not live much longer, but he took over as Nisa. But he was also a great teacher. He spent his life in the temple. And then Gamaliel was born in 20 BC. Okay? These dates are important. I'm going to have a pop quiz later, okay? 20 BC. By the time Jesus is born, Gamaliel is 20 years old. Okay? And he will become Nisa after his father dies. With that as background, what we have here is what Jewish history identifies as a godly family. And what the New Testament presents as an honorable and godly man. Okay? This was a family dedicated for three generations as seen here. And as I said before, ultimately ten generations. 500 years of being the leaders of the Sanhedrin. So, let me read two passages from Luke 2. And you will know Luke 2 as the Christmas passage, the birth of Jesus passage. Now remember that Jesus is born in about 3 AD is what the best we come up with. Uh, remembering, of course, that there is no 0 AD. We go from 1 BC to 1 AD. Jesus, the best state that he was born in about 3 AD. Hillel has seven years left in his life. Simon has more than that. We don't know how many. He died shortly after. History says almost nothing about Simon. So we really don't know much about him except the years that he, that he became nice after his father. So, And at the end of eight days, this is Joseph and Mary, when Jesus was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. Paradigal doves are two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, 
and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. So the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You know, I read that in a, a godly man named Simeon with the Holy Spirit upon him who spends his time waiting in the temple for the Lord's Christ to arrive. And taking Jesus in his army, you bless God and so bless Jesus also. But 12 years later, Jesus comes back to the temple. By this time, Hillel is dead. We don't know about Simeon. We don't know how long he lived after uh, Hillel died. We know, that, like I say, 10 A.D. Twelve years later is uh, A.D. 15. Okay? More or less. And Luke 2, still in the Christmas story, 41 through 50 says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom... And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. So in A.D. 15, who was the chief teacher of the Jews? Who was the great master, the Rabban, sitting in the temple every day teaching the people? It was Gamaliel. I'm not saying Gamaliel was teaching Jesus. Okay, it doesn't say that. I'm saying he was the great teacher of, of Jerusalem. The great master. The teacher of teaching in the temple. Gamaliel, 35 years old. And like I say, was he there being asked questions by Jesus and being amazed at his answers? Want to make sure you know, Scripture doesn't say. This is not Scripture. But was that, was Gamaliel that day being taught by Jesus. Commenters throughout the ages have noted that Gamaliel saved the life of the apostles in this passage in Acts and thus saved the Christian church. Now, I would argue by saying that God saved the apostles' lives and the Christian church through the instrument of Gamaliel. But why did God use Gamaliel? Well, as we've seen, he was highly placed in the Sanhedrin. Scripture itself says Gamaliel was held in honor by all the people. In John 12, starting in verse 36, as we've seen before, Jesus said, 
The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus said those things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. Was Gamaliel one of those who did not speak up, who did not come forward? Scripture, again, is silent on this, but Christian tradition and the writings of the early church fathers is not. Clement of Rome, who unfortunately is also called Pope Clement. Oh well, before that he was Clement of Rome. He was a disciple of Peter. He traveled with Peter. He knew Peter well. In early manuscripts dating from the late first century, Clement reports that Gamaliel, his son Simeon, who had become the Nisa of Israel when his father died, and Nicodemus were all baptized by the apostles Peter and John. Other church histories say the same. Gamaliel is a canonized saint in Orthodox churches, uh, both Roman and Eastern, dating from the 300s. I'm not saying that that um, saints are any big deal. We're all saints. But he was recognized from the 100s to the 300s as a Christian saint. In the list of transmission of the Torah, because the Torah was oral and the Talmud was oral until the Mishnah was written by Gamaliel's ancestor. Uh, Gamaliel's grandchildren wrote the Mishnah and wrote down the Torah. But in the line of handing that down, Gamaliel is left out. Hillel's there, but Gamaliel's not. One of the very most important people to ever work on the Torah Why is Gamaliel's name not in the list of transmission? Is it because the Jews didn't want to identify a Christian as one of their greatest scholars? I don't know. I'm throwing that out. It's only speculation, but as I've shown before, the Jewish population of the Roman Empire declined from 5 million at the time of Jesus to a quarter of a million by the 300s. My son's job is research, okay? And he called me up. Dad, I looked up your figures. Yeah? You're right. Which is amazing for me, you know. 
I was, my son said I was right. What a shock. Um, anyway, it went from five million to a quarter million by the 300s. I wonder if part of that is due to at least some of the Rabans of the Sanhedrin being Christians. I know that sounds impossible. And for man, it would be impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen. Lord, as we ponder these thoughts, study your word and think about history, I wonder if it is possible that you use the most illustrious Jewish family in history to identify a baby as Christ, to be a teacher and be taught by a young Jesus. We don't know if that's true. It would be beautiful symmetry in your wonderful word. Lord, as we teach and are taught by you, help us to understand all things in your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.